You're listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. And my name is Jeff Milo, and joining me today is Michelle Williamson. Hello. Hi, Jeff. We're here to talk about school librarianship, and we're actually talking to a school librarian. Tell us about today's episode. Yeah, so today we're talking with Julie Saunders, who is the staff person in the school libraries uh, at Ferndale Lower and Upper Elementaries. So, and as we learn in the episode, <laughs> she is very much jack of all trades, all trades, everything. She's she's carting books, she's checking out books, she's shelving books, she's recommending books, story times, technology, information literacy, two buildings, so many kids. Yeah, and this is something I think a lot of people aren't familiar with, right? Because they come into our library, they see how a public library works, they see all the staff members, but if you don't have kids, and even if you do, you're really not seeing what's going on in a school library. So right. I think this is a fun conversation to kind of demystify that for folks who right. haven't really probably thought about school libraries for a long time. Also, uh, Julie from Ferndale Schools is mentioning that the uh, kind of the support for having a school librarian is coming back. I feel like we were in some dystopic times there in the early 2010s when there were, I just felt like I read a lot of news stories where schools just did not have a media specialist, what have you, a librarian or anyone in their media center at all. Yeah, we've, it's, it's been- Some, some dark times. Yeah, it's in, it's been enlightening because it's definitely a thing I've been vocal about um, is that it, it, her position is not technically uh, a librarian position. I, I do feel like there's some movement there, which we are kind of bucking the trend in that way because right. a lot of school districts, it's, you know, when you want to save some money, that's right. kind of the first place you can go because typically it's a, a standalone position. Right. I've, I've heard a lot of school librarians feel it, say they feel like an island because right. there's no one equivalent to them in the school. So, so Sometimes it's easy for schools, I think, to say, oh, I don't see the value there. Let me cut that position, mm -hmm. save some money. But um, especially with the information literacy stuff we've talked about, I think personally and professionally that it's a crucial position. Yeah. And I really hope that um, more schools can kind of reverse this and see the benefits uh, and the value of having a qualified certified school right. librarian in right. that space. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's tricky because there isn't any standardized test we could apply to a student to demonstrate the value that the library had on their school experience. I mean, there but are- But it is there. There are studies out there. Okay, so I, ha I have, trust me, some emails. I have okay. included some studies. So yeah, okay. there there is research out there that Good. definitely supports it. They've looked at standardized test scores and they are higher in districts with school librarians. We're here to pick the brain of someone who can tell us all about the modern school librarian, and that's Julie Saunders from Ferndale Schools. Here's our chat. Yeah, being from coming from public libraries into school libraries it definitely was like a shock to the system i don't you want me to go into my background a little bit in fact that 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 is our first okay. question okay so i um did get my teaching degree and um but then couldn't find a, a teaching job it was right after 9 11 had happened and nobody was retiring and um, so I ended up getting my master's then in library science and I was like, well, you know, maybe someday I'll go back into the school. So I got, I had the school media concentration 
um, part of it as well. And so when my son, and then I, I continued to work in, pu- in public libraries for about 11 or 12 years. Um, when my son started school, I went into the library and have, had a similar experience as Michelle and was just like, what is happening here? Like, there is nothing being done in this place. So I'm like, I'll just volunteer a little, just like here and there. And I was just working part-time um, then at the public library. And so the principal at that time was like, hey, you know, would you consider coming to work here part-time? And so that's kind of how I got in there and then ended up leaving the public library and becoming a full-time school librarian. Um, And then just came to Ferndale last. This is my first year at Ferndale. And it was, you know, I came from a very small charter school to two buildings with over a thousand students between the two and like Michelle said lower has very little to no support at all there the books are extremely old and the library is just yeah I just there hasn't been anyone I don't think really because actually my position is not as a media specialist I'm actually a paraprofessional so I'm not even recognized as a media specialist in the district. So that's, you know, that's a little frustrating. So there isn't, I don't think as much energy maybe placed into the libraries in the district. So that's kind of where when Michelle, when I met Michelle, we were like, hey, this isn't right. Like we need to change this whole thing. And so it's been exciting. I think that they're on their way to maybe seeing school librarians as more than just someone that checks out books. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's my hope. I mean, and I think about the, I've been a fly on the wall in the school library for a few years now. And I think about just how much what I've seen change over the years of it being, you know, when I first started in the person who worked in there, it was sort of a more old school, like what we would remember from childhood, reading stories on the mat. But over the years, with your predecessors and with you, definitely I've seen really dynamic teaching in the library, certainly still an emphasis on books and literacy, but so many, so much cool technology being introduced and information literacy. I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but (laughs) it is really cool to see just in the short time I've been in there, how dynamic the space has become. Yeah, but it does bring into question what are what are folks' expectations? What are what do they expect a school library to look like? In my school library in the '90s, the individual who was overseeing the library was not a librarian, and I can't. I, I was only what eight, nine, ten, so I didn't actually get her backstory, but at least heard from my own mother that she was not a librarian. I'm not sure what her expertise was, but she was kind of almost a glorified monitor. Our class would be ushered in for about a half hour to basically read, explore the shelves, what have you. And she, maybe, I don't know where our teacher went, probably to have a break. And that that individual who was in charge of the library, this is the 90s, there was no computers there. <laughs> so it wasn't a media center either. Uh, and that's just how it felt like it was treated. Um, more so a monitor, I guess. I could walk up to this individual and say, I like scary books. And she could take me to a shelf and show me more books. It wasn't uh, exacting reader's advisory, but I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it is, it it is um, changing in some districts, 
but I still think that that is a large component of what school librarians are doing, right? Is just like pushing reading and making it, Mm -hmm. still trying to make it more exciting for kids. And like, that's always been my passion Mm -hmm. still. I mean, there are other things that I'd like to do. So for example, like you said, it's like a 30 minute when you were younger, that's still how it is. Like that's not enough time for me to do a lot of dynamic teaching in 30 minutes. So, you know, that is something that I would like to change in the future because a lot of specials like PE or music, their, their classes are longer. They have like 40 to 50 minute classes and some of them meet twice a week. So I only see kids 30 minutes once a week. And a lot of that is just to like make sure that they are hopefully checking out new and interesting books and then I do sneak technology in there as much as I can as well as you know talking about parts of literacy as well that hopefully sticks with them. But I remember when I was in there yesterday and you were having them do research and you know by the end of the class some kids because you got they have to get their Chromebook they have to log in and so you Mm -hmm. know when you're talking about third and fourth graders a half an hour with the entering and the exiting, that's really not enough time to yeah. be doing research, which is uh, the perfect place for them to be learning it in the library. It's still encouraging that there's engagement though, because the way it looked in the 90s is we were ushered in and the, this individual in the position of being a librarian did not interact with us. It was more so that she just sat at the desk and made sure we didn't throw books at each other. We just went, walked <laughs> yeah. around and kind of free ranged around the shelves. Uh, right. It was like a study hour almost. Mm-hmm if we could perceive it that way. But it was also only half an hour and it felt too short. <laughs> well, this, that's because you're probably someone that likes exactly, to read books. <laughs> exactly. This wasn't something I was curious about though. When Let's go back real quick to when the principal asked you whether or not you were interested in this. Can you remember the reason why you said yes? Could you put that into words? The reason you were really motivated to, because you could have said no, but uh, mm-hmm. tell us why you said yes. So at that time I had been in a public library for 11 years. And, and I was the teen librarian at that, at that time, I was like, it's a, it's teen librarians. That's a burnout, burnout job. It really is because you are doing a lot of programming. A lot of it's evening programming. A lot of it is like food stuff. So you're constantly crafting. And so I was really looking for something new, I think. And I mean, to be honest, the idea of having the same breaks as my child, I mean, being on that same schedule was also something that would be nice. And working with kids, again, like smaller children, that was always where, where I was, you know, most interested since I had an early childhood background. So all of those things combined, I think it was kind of the perfect time for me to try something new. Not that it wasn't any less work. It was just, it's just different. It was different work is what I've learned. Yeah, I think that's, I, I don't know if people realize that about working in public libraries. It's a lot of evenings and weekends and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And to get like a school schedule library job is pretty great as a parent. Yes. So Julie, what does a typical day look like for you in the school library? Um, so it's different at each building, um, but I would say at lower since I'm on a cart this year, music is in the library. Um, I am in, you know, 23 different rooms in two and a half days. 
Wow. And pushing a cart. Week, wow. Yeah. <laughs> pushing a cart. And every other week I'm doing book checkout with them in baskets on my cart. So it's it's been a challenge for sure. And along with that, the good thing about that is I'm not shelving books over at Lower. So I don't have to worry about any of that. So at Upper, though, I have this beautiful space. And, you know, every day it's making sure Chromebooks are, are plugged in, ready for that day and getting books put out on the shelf if I have time from the previous day, getting all the tables. I have seven different tables. So getting all the materials ready for the day. Usually at upper, I see 10 classes most days. And then here at lower, I see seven, eight, seven or eight. Um, So it's just a constant, constant flow of kids coming in and out. And a lot of times I do start with a story connection And then we'll have some kind of activity that connects with the story. Uh, Like this week is Abilities Awareness Week. So we're talking about Temple Grandin and then the research uh, portion, they're researching farm animals. And then actually, Michelle, I decided that today I would learn how to use our thermobind Hmm. so that in my spare 30 minutes, I could find some books. So, you know, like Michelle said, it's a lot. There is no processors. There's no shelvers. I'm doing everything. And then you'll have, you know, like you try and help teachers. Someone came in while I was just doing this podcast that wanted um, help with like a recommendation. So then you're recommending books also um, to teachers as well. Wow. It's it's a lot in one day. Mm -hmm. And the monthly school library journal comes out. I got to go through there and I got to look through, you know, and find what books I'd like to be able to purchase for the the school collections as well. And that's two different buildings that I'm purchasing for. So I try and fit that into. For listeners at home, there's usually three main departments in any public library. Julie's doing all three of them at once. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. We uh, actually had her order some stuff. Um, I, I'm the book fair chair at the school, so we have these reward scholastic dollars. And they had a sale yesterday, and I said, oh, I think I want to take advantage of this sale. I was amazed how quickly you were able to <laughs> fill up the I'm cart. I'm spending money. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, okay, I'm done. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> You're efficient, though. You have to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Julia. Julie, you were in public libraries before, so you're aware of all the misconceptions people might have about public libraries and public library workers that they Mm -hmm. get to sit around and read all day or they are constantly shushing people or they're chasing you down with fines in a very threatening manner. Are there Mm -hmm. misconceptions people might have over what a school librarian does? I mean, I think a lot of the same ones apply, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm, while the library is meant, I think the school library even more is meant to be like a place of learning and yeah, it should be a reasonable volume. Um, I do still think that some people think it has to be completely silent. And for me, as long as they're on task, I, you know, I don't mind if they're talking. Mm -hmm. Um, But if that is like, I think something that's perceived as like, it has to be silent. And also that I get to read. Like, I can't tell you the last time I read a children's book for fun, for pleasure. Right. Except for the ones that I read to students. Like, I'm lucky I have that opportunity to do that. And also just that I check out books. Right. And actually, I've been talking to Michelle about getting self-checks so that I'm not spending 10 minutes or whatever it is, five to 10 minutes of that class time 
that work time checking books out to kids so that they can take some more ownership of doing things themselves and having self-check put into the school libraries. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I can walk around and actually do more recommending and helping them with what they're working on. It's hard to do both. I got to toot your horn too, Julie. You're, this is the first year that I've seen anyone do uh, electronic checkout. Up until this year, we were still checking out with cards. So kudos wow. to you for actually implementing uh, barcode scanning checkout in the 2022. Well, it's so funny because they've had the system in place for several years. And still, um, we're using having the kids write their names on library cards. I was like, I will not be doing that. <laughs> wow. I was so happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Which? So they don't understand that they're like, how does it know what I have? I'm like, the magic of technology. <laughs> so, yeah, that has helped. That has helped a lot. How do you think that school librarianship is different today? Um, I kind of talked about it a little bit, like how it's changed over the last few years that I've been there. But say people who haven't been, you know, to an elementary school library since the 90s, like Jeff. Like me. Like, can you yeah. explain to them what 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 would be different if they were in there today? I mean, one thing we haven't really talked about is the introduction of STEM mm-hmm. into school libraries. Uh, so I think and, you know, I just bought a bunch of STEM materials uh, with the last scholastic book fair money, but that's been a huge um, innovation that's come into libraries, public and school. But we do a lot of experimenting with different materials and just letting them create. So it's not necessarily just about reading, right? There's all about innovation in with materials and like this, you know, the sticker thing that, that we did um, I usually try and give them a lot of choices when it's their free time. And some students will still choose just to go to like our comfy reading chairs and silent read. But a lot of them will do free choice media uh, sites or they will use the STEM materials. So I really feel like the library has just elevated from reading to trying to find other ways to give students options, right? Like what else they can explore and um, and do in the library. Could could you That's been um, my goal. when you say STEM materials, could you just explain like maybe your favorite of those? Okay. Like what that what those are? Yeah, like a lot of um, students are have really been into building. So we have a lot of different building materials, whether uh, they're like little plastic puzzle pieces that fit together in certain ways or just different cube blocks. Um, We do a lot of building. And then at lower, I have incorporated, there's like these maze runs, like marble maze runs that those students, younger students are really into. So again, with engineering and building and sometimes, a lot of times, I try and incorporate a story along with it, like Ada Twist Scientist or Iggy Peck Architect. That series is amazing for STEM. So we can talk about building and then they can go and create something from the materials. So not just reading a story, but finding, you know, more fun, creative ways to talk about books. I go back to almost the three R's reading, writing, arithmetic. Now we're talking science, technology, engineering, Mm -hmm. math. 
And it's so cool that the, the, the librarian is doing that. And that's probably one of the biggest differences between public library and school library, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I think I'd like to think that public libraries, I believe, kind of were doing it before school libraries. I mean, because public libraries, especially I would say in youth, are have become very good at finding programming and bringing families in for so many different creative, you know, ideas that that hopefully I, I feel like school librarians are trying to trying to do that same thing now that public libraries have have kind of always done. But I think that public libraries have more funding. And so that really is great for public libraries. But I think that it, you know, it needs to be a partnership too. I and we've talked about this as well, that it would be great to have more collaboration between the school school libraries and public libraries and not have um, a feeling of competition, which is kind of, you know, I've seen that in some areas and, and um, it's sad. Like we're both trying to help families and our students. So I think that there should be a partnership there. Yeah. So I kind of touched on information literacy before thinking about technology in the library. What are some ways with the computer that you're talking about literacy, technology, information technology, like what it, at this age and in your teaching? So at upper, it's third to fifth grade with one first to third grade class and then at lower, mm-hmm. it's K to two. So how do you um, start to introduce the concept of information literacy, computer research, all that stuff at this age? So unfortunately, at lower, they are not one-to-one yet. They were supposed to all have devices and we, have, we haven't gotten them yet. So I haven't really done a lot with any, really anything with lower this year. Um, I think they do now have some devices there, but you know, so I will um, start to look at some of the databases and talk about being safe online and using reliable sources with them probably, you know, once we get devices. We've talked a little bit about it in general, but nothing specific. And then, you know, the same thing with Upper, just a little bit delve deeper into, like today we were doing this, the research project and someone asked if they could use Wikipedia. And so we talked a little bit about reliable sources and databases that are trustworthy and that, yes, you can use Wikipedia for some things, but, you know, this is what you need to keep in mind, um, that anyone can really publish on those sites. So, you know, and then we talked, the, um, the district has, like, a landing place called Clever, like a platform, and so you can drop links in there. So I have a media page, and they know that that's a safe place where they can go, and uh, the district also has a page with um, research databases. So I think as they get older, we talk more about their ownership in being responsible online and things they need to look for, especially, you know, when it comes to social media, that's especially our um, fourth and fifth graders. I think they really start to get more into that as they get older. So talking about their their ownership in it and commonsense.org, I think it's commonsense.org. They have a lot of amazing lessons and information for parents too about using the internet safely. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think a lot of it younger is is researching. And then as they get older, we kind of talk about using the internet 
socially a little bit more. YouTube. Yeah. Right. <laughs> They're all on YouTube. Common common and sense. TikTok, a lot of fifth graders are are on TikTok now too and that's terrifying. That is terrifying. Um yeah, the phrase that Michelle and I like is healthy skepticism and it's it mm -hmm. there's something that feels strange and mildly dystopic about having to tell our children to be skeptical, but mm -hmm. it's for their own good. <laughs> but maybe use your common yeah. sense. I like that phrase. I mean, commonsense.org. That's the best phrase. Use your common sense yes. on the internet. So we've talked about tech. We've talked about STEM. We've talked about information literacy. What about like the traditional story times that we remember? Is that still a thing? Yes, for me it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I love to read stories and I don't think that kids are read books as much as they used to be. I think a lot of parents are putting them on devices more. And I mean, I'm guilty of doing that with my own son, but I think that especially older children enjoy good picture book just as much as a three or four year old does. I mean, even as adults, it's nice to uh, appreciate some awesome picture books. So yeah, I do probably half and half um, traditional stories story time. I have an amazing new rug that I just got in the library that, and students love it. They love sitting on the carpet and listening to a story. So I hope that never, that never dies in the library because, you know, at the heart of what we do, it is books mm -hmm. and reading. So, um, I, I, I want to keep that always. So what are some of the hot titles in your library? What are some of the standalone oh, or series? Like what are the kids loving to read these days? I mean, I think graphic novels, anything graphic novel. Dog man. It doesn't. Yes. It does not matter. Honestly, some of them will pick older titles, but it's a graphic novel. So they'll read it. Uh, yeah. Dog man is still really popular. So is wimpy kid, big Nate. We did get some, I, I have seen resurgence, maybe we'll call it in nonfiction, especially what's the, the history smashers. That's a really great uh, series. And I know I survive now has uh, come out with graphic novels. So kids are even more excited about that, but nonfiction I I've seen, um, become more popular. I think publishers are making the covers more attractive and everyone knows that that's what a kid goes for first, right? Even as adults, we do that. We totally judge a book by its cover, even though we tell people not to do it, <laughs> we do it. So I think a lot of publishers are realizing that and have really upped their game when it comes to nonfiction covers and kids are really getting into it. So, and I would say biographies are still really popular too. Um, not sure about a lot of the fiction. It seems like we're leaning a little bit more towards realistic fiction and um, maybe our dystopian fantasy books are maybe not as popular here as um, they used to be because we've got Babysitter's Club and like Big Nate, like those those realistic books, I think, are kind of making a comeback again, at least here. It goes in phases, right? You know, that yeah. whole Hunger Games situation was huge in the early 2010s. Now mm -hmm. we're in the early 2020s. Who knows? Well, and we've been through some stuff in the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I noticed that when I'm at the middle school library on Fridays, they really seem to want comfort reads and they still really mm -hmm. want the graphic novels. This is also a good PSA for graphic novels are reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still have some teachers that are like, don't pick a graphic novel. And I'm like, oh, 
Yes, pick one. They are reading. Yes. It doesn't matter. Yes. Reading is reading. And I try and educate about there's actually tends to be higher vocabulary in graphic novels and your brain is like multitasking, right? Like it's, there's so much that's happening in a graphic novel that you have to put together that I just don't think people realize that it's not a baby book, right? right. Or a picture book. That's, uh, we're out of questions, Julie. It's been great to pick your brain though. Awesome. I really appreciate you reaching out and, you know, hopefully we can do some more collaborating with for Nail Public Library in the future. And uh, happy school library month, April. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when is public, isn't it National Library something or other? It's National Library Week literally at the day we are talking here until Sunday. Oh. But you, okay. but you get the entire month. Okay. Well, nobody has said anything to me, so it's okay. You <laughs> well, have, you all have. We're that saying just proves it. our point. Yeah. And thank you for all you do in the schools. It, it is noticed. Uh, and acknowledged and appreciated. I know, I appreciate you too. So yeah. thanks guys, I really appreciate you talking to me. And that was our chat with Julie Saunders, Ferndale Public Schools, telling us about school libraries and me sharing a lot of information about my life in the 90s when I used encyclopedias. Uh, and just had no idea um, how important this role was. And uh, thanks to Michelle Williamson for joining us and bringing this conversation to the table. Of course, I'm always happy to talk about school libraries. Yes. <laughs> uh, this has been another episode of A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast. It's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. The music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode is by local musician Sean Duffy. If you would like to support this podcast, visit ferndalefriends.org. Or you could follow us, rate us, review us, or tell a friend about us. And if you enjoyed this conversation, you think you know someone who might like it to share it to social media. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.